As interest rates rise, volatility has hit equities hard. How should investors think about equity investing amid high inflation and slowing economic growth? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of August 22nd, 2022. And today we are sadly wrapping up our month of hosting wonderful equity portfolio managers from across the New York Life Investments platform. But we're ending on a high note because today we get to talk infrastructure investing with Dan Foley of CBRE Investment Management. Dan, welcome to the show. Lauren, thanks for having me. We are so glad to have you, Dan, today. And let me just kick things off by asking you to define your investable universe. When most people think about infrastructure, they're thinking about bridges and tunnels. But what does infrastructure mean to you from the investment perspective? Sure. I think in the most simple context, infrastructure assets are those assets which make life day-to-day possible, right? So these are the essential assets when you turn the lights on, brush your teeth, send a text message to your friend, an email to colleagues, or, you know, travel, order something to your house. All of this, you know, activity requires a network of essential assets that is global in nature and interconnected. When we think about infrastructure in a listed markets context, there's some 350 plus companies, and that encapsulates over $4 trillion in equity market value. So this is a significantly scaled investment universe. And I think, Julia, as you touch on in your example there, I think the mind's eye tends to gravitate towards transportation infrastructure, which we view as one of sort of four quadrants of that listed infrastructure universe. And and within that are things like listed toll roads, listed airports, um, railroad and port companies. But there are also companies operating in the communications infrastructure space, right? So I gave the example of sending a text message, but this is the facilitation of the movement of data across the globe, cell towers, data centers, fiber networks. There are midstream infrastructure assets. So these are the pipeline assets, the LNG export facilities, you know, that are critical for energy security and, and power production and areas like home heating, right? That that gas needs to travel through those essential pipeline assets. And then lastly, utility infrastructure, which is the electric power that you get to your house, the water utilities, the gas supply, and frankly, just renewable development, right? So those companies are having a significant role in decarbonization across the globe. That is an excellent overview of the physical aspects of this asset class. So when it comes to your perspective as an investor, what would you say are the main drivers of success for you generally when it comes to an infrastructure portfolio? Sure. I think there are a number of things. First, it's it's a large liquid universe, right? It's a global opportunity set. And I think, you know, we really pride ourselves on having a very disciplined investment process, right? That is focused on fundamental outlooks. How are those different assets being impacted? And what is the outlook across the globe? Regulatory forces do matter within those markets, capital markets. These are capital intensive businesses and of course, valuation, right? And how you achieve all of that from an investment perspective is relying on your people and the platform, right? So I think we're very fortunate to have 
and be a part of CBRE Investment Management, a leading real asset specialist across the globe operating in listed and private infrastructure markets. And that gives us tremendous resources across the globe. We do think it's important to have a global perspective and analysts on the ground to understand those, those sort of local market forces. So that's kind of part one, right? Which what really helps you be successful. I think Part two is understanding impacts to valuation from the private infrastructure market. And this is an area we definitely believe we distinguish ourselves. And this is important because these are large pools of capital that have formed and are really setting the price points for these assets. And we can then utilize that information, again, an edge that we feel we have by having colleagues operating in the private market and bring that information to bear in our own underwriting in the listed space, right? So that then gives us the ability to identify mispriced opportunities and where we could invest and potentially see areas of outsized return potential. And the last thing I would say to make a successful infrastructure kind of process is being aware of the risks faced by infrastructure assets, because infrastructure, while they're essential assets, doesn't mean they're without any risk, right? And we spend a lot of time thinking about the various risks faced by infrastructure assets, including regulatory risks, you know, risks of the capital markets, of, of management teams to, to be aware of those risks, even global weather phenomenon, right? So we've seen things like wildfires in California that had bankrupted a utility. So there's risks that we can try to capture in our underwriting, and there are risks that we can try to capture by being just conscious of them in our portfolio construction approach. So building a diversified portfolio across sectors and geographies, limiting stock-specific risks, these are all areas that we think we can add value to our investors. It's really insightful, Dan. And, and what you've done is identified areas of control, areas of leverage that you have in the portfolio to add value, especially in the context of lots of things you can't control, like weather. And I'm curious about the other, or at least one other area of things that we can't control, which is the macroeconomic environment. We've been talking about this a lot on the podcast lately, things like inflation and rising interest rates and volatility. How do those macroeconomic factors impact infrastructure as an asset class or how important are they? Sure. I mean, clearly the year-to-date environment has seen a pretty dramatic pickup in volatility, right? Whether it's inflation, which is sort of at 40-year highs, you've seen sort of plunging consumer confidence, central bank policy response and monetary tightening, you know, a prolonged war in the Ukraine, deepening energy crisis in Europe, even still in parts of Asia, you're seeing sort of response to ongoing impacts of COVID-19, right? Still having question marks around global supply chain and, and recovery there. So these are all, as I would kind of view them as exogenous risk factors, which I think is what you're getting to. And I think here we lean on what infrastructure is as an asset class, right? What do you expect? to get from an infrastructure allocation. Because these assets are essential, they tend to have inelastic or consistent demand profiles that lead to durable cash flow streams. They also tend to be inflation linked. So over you know, 90% of the investment universe has some means of capturing or hedging against inflationary impacts. And I think also importantly, balance sheets are in really good shape, right? So the companies have laddered maturities. So the threat of rising rates is relatively diminished because the capital structure is just in really good shape. And so 
you know, at the end of the day, we view that as good attributes to have in a volatile market environment, right? It, it gives us confidence in our outlook for growth in, in earnings and dividends. And frankly, it just helps how the stocks are perceived in the marketplace, right? In a world of 2021, where it was everything coming off of a huge COVID bounce, infrastructure was just very steady and, and that wasn't as desirable as some of the areas that had more perceived upside. I think now there's a recognition in the market that that steady and stable is exactly what you want in this kind of volatile market environment. What I'm hearing is that amid so many risk factors or exogenous factors that we can't control, there are opportunities to build resilience through an asset class like infrastructure and through an investment process that's designed that way. So that's, again, very insightful. What about policy in terms of exogenous factors? Thinking about the U.S. just as one example, infrastructure was the topic du jour for a couple of years. It hasn't been as fast moving as maybe some analysts thought it would be. Does that policy undertow impact the asset class? I think policy is important insofar as it sets the long-term goals for things like decarbonization or energy security, right? Because it, it really sets the framework under which the deployment of capital by companies we can invest in are operating, right? And so we tend to view those policy components as a risk factor to the efficiency of, of deployment of capital. And when it comes back to an area like Build Back Better, right? Last year it was talked about a lot here in the US. That doesn't really change whether or not that passes our, our view of, geez, what are dividends going to look like in the next year or two, right? So it wasn't really a growth driver. The opportunity sets for spending and in infrastructure, you know, we see a hundred trillion dollar need by 2040, right? These are massive numbers. That's a 50% acceleration from the prior decade. And so any single kind of government policy can be influential insofar as it sets some of those regulatory parameters, but tends not to have a dramatic impact on the entire investment universe, right? Because again, it's so broad in scope and global. So that's generally how we tend to view policy, that it can be constructive and change the risk profile of what we can invest in, but it doesn't tend to have a dramatic impact on the actual sort of bottom line impacts that we see from the companies themselves. Well, that brings us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And by we today, I really mean Dan, because I'm going to put this one right to you. What's your highest conviction investment idea right now? Look, I think our portfolio is constructed in a way that recognizes one just ongoing need for decarbonization and energy security, right? So we see opportunities around the globe to invest in companies that have seen a dramatic pickup in the opportunity set over the past, call it five to 10 years. And I think that's accelerating as we think about some of the events that have unfolded in Europe year to date, you know, just reinforcing that need for new sources of energy supply. How do you make that decarbonization transition, which governments around the globe are are still committed to and we think should still be committed to. And so, you know, that large investment universe I talked about earlier, there are a number of opportunities for us to access that thematically and where we see bottom up sort of compelling valuations for companies playing a role there. We also believe within transports that the toll roads are just inexpensive. They have more resilient fundamentals relative to other parts of the transportation ecosystem. Valuations there, I touched earlier on the private market 
market, we continue to see very strong demand from the private infrastructure market for toll road assets. It suggests these assets are very cheap in the listed space. And then that would kind of segue into the last, which is global communications, where we see a very similar theme, right? One of the hottest areas, so to speak, within private infrastructure funds has been to go after communications infrastructure assets. And there, the valuation disconnect is pretty significant between what those large, sophisticated buyers of those assets are paying and where the listed companies trade today in the market. Thank you, Dan, for putting that mosaic together for us. It's really interesting to think about the components of cyclical resilience that the asset class can offer, some of those valuation opportunities, like you mentioned, in the communication space, and also that structural component when it comes to a trend like decarbonization. So really interesting to think about the various components there. Just one final question and zooming out a little bit. What do you think the role of infrastructure is in the context of the diversified global multi-asset portfolio? What role do you see infrastructure playing there? Sure. So as we talked a little bit about earlier, we've definitely seen some of the key attributes of infrastructure as an asset class kind of shining brightly in the year-to-date volatile environment, right? So these are, again, essential assets, durable cash flow streams, inflation hedging characteristics, and very resilient kind of cash flow profiles. That tends to lend itself very well to de-risking kind of an equities allocation, right? These are global. So we've had investors kind of reduce global equity allocations and view this as a form of a lower risk global equity, but one that still has the benefits of long-term secular trends for growth and infrastructure decarbonization, as we talked about amongst many others. So that tends to be the most common kind of framework within the fit of a portfolio that we hear from our investors. Dan, this has been not only educational, but incredibly interesting and insightful. Thank you so much for joining today to share your insights. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamox and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any fund or issue or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer a solicitation to buy or sell any securities, or to adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Not all products and services provided by CVRE Investment Management may be available to all investors, limited by applicable laws and regulations in certain jurisdictions. Nothing stated herein should be considered an investment advice or recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment product. Any opinions expressed are the views and opinions of certain investment professionals at CVRE Investment Management, which are subject to change without notice. No part of this material may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without the express written permission of CVRE Investment Management. CVRE Investment Management is unaffiliated with New York Life Investments. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and a common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.